I greet you all in the very blessed name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Before we go further, let us all turn to God in this place of prayer. Let us seek Him for help. Let us pray. Eternal Almighty God, we thank you for this time that we can be found in thy presence. And we come first and foremost, pleading and asking, O God, that you would cleanse us and wash us thoroughly of all our sins. And Father, we do come acknowledging that we truly have not known thee as we ought, let alone love thee as we ought. We come seeking tonight that you would speak mightily in our hearts, O Lord, to show us who we really are before you. And that, Lord, in seeing who we are, we may truly mourn. And mourn, O Lord, for how little, Lord, we know of what we ought to be. So, Father, tonight we pray that you remove all the distractions of the work of the day, the cares of life. Lord, draw us into thy word and speak mightily to every heart, the young and elderly alike. O Lord, may seek a very different life after we understand, O Lord, how we ought to live. Be with us. We ask and pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've been studying about mourning. This mourning is not something that is light-hearted. It's not something that is trivial. It's not, as we've learned in church camp, just listing our sins before the Lord is like a roll call. Now, this morning is like someone at a funeral. In fact, this word is among the strongest of the Greek word used for mourning, and it's used for funerals, where the person is so brokenhearted, where the person is at a state of um, contrition, sadness that he cannot even control his emotions. That is how strongly... He is affected. That is the point about this morning. A very genuine, deep cutting into the heart. This is the morning. Now tonight, I want to speak on the morning of mornings. The morning of mornings. What do you think should be the morning of all mornings? The one thing that the believer ought to mourn about above all else, what do you think it is? Now, I want us to turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. First Corinthians sixteen twenty-two. Now let's read together. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. Let us read one more time. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. Now here the Apostle Paul pronounces a great curse. The word anathema literally means to be accursed. And it is used to denote, well, being excommunicated, being cast out. For the unbelievers, it refers to being cast into hell, into the lake of fire for eternity. To be 
forever accursed. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. The Lord, the maranatha means the Lord is coming. The Lord, the Lord is coming. He's at hand. The Lord is coming. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming. And everyone must know, for the unbelievers, that judgment is coming. And if you do not turn to Him for salvation and love Him, you will be accursed forever. But he was also writing to the believers. What would it mean to the believers? Well, we are saved. That is true. But it's no, it is the same strength of warning to the believer. Not that we will be cast into eternal lake of fire, but the believer must realize unbelievers do not love God. That is understandable. But for the believer not to love God as we ought to, it is unthinkable. To the Apostle Paul, the believer ought to be, should not be saved. But by the mercies of God, we are. That is all. Don't feel that, well, well, it's nothing, nothing so, so, so um, serious that I don't love God as I ought to. Now, that is why there is church discipline. The Apostle Paul wrote in this epistle, uh, in, yeah, in this epistle to the Corinthian church, and we studied about it. Church discipline was exercised. Church discipline leads eventually, if the person does not repent, to excommunication, anathema. And that was exactly what happened to this man that had um, um, an incestuous relationship with the mother, all right, or stepmother. He was cast out. No believer should ever reach a stage where you need to be church disciplined. We should repent when we know something is sin. We should not need the church to step in. The moment we know it is sin, and if we have reached a stage where the very first step of church discipline occurs, which is admonition, we should already be so ashamed that someone needs to come and admonish me to bring this up to me. I should know better. I should have repented. I do not need someone to tell me. I should not need to enter church discipline. And worst of all, I should not need to reach a stage where the church has to say, we have to excommunicate you. That was the case. So Paul says, the Lord is coming. Now for the believers, we will meet the Lord one day. Whether it is at His second visible coming, whether it is, sorry, whether it is at the rapture, we will see Him face to face. Or whether we die before the rapture, we will meet Him. Either He meets us or we will meet Him. Believers live, live in the light of that. Live in the light that we will meet the Lord. And then live in the light that we have to answer to the Lord, Lord, I did not love you as I ought to. This love towards the Lord is so um, taken, is taken so lightly for the believers today that we, we, don't, we don't feel much about it. We walk around feeling so dignified with our life, our possessions, living in a, very, in, a, in a first world country. On the outside, we look so dignified and so well, doing so well. But I always wonder, if we were to face and really look inwards, face ourselves, and if we were to see what the Lord sees of us, 
of our love towards Him. I wonder where we will hide our faces. Teens, you're also concerned about your external looks, your hair, your nails, your dressing, adults as well. Well, maybe for the adults, um, what you possess. We are so worried about what people see about those things. But the pop- Apostle Paul says, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the most accursed person. He is the most despicable person that deserves the worst of the worst. Now, if unbelievers deserve it for their sins, now think about this, how much more the believers, what do we really deserve when we don't love the Lord who died for us? I say again, if we were to really look inside us, stop thinking about our external and our looks and our possessions and our life and our achievements and really ask ourselves, Lord, how do I love you? Do I love you as I ought to? Lord, show me. Now, why do I say this is the morning of mornings? The morning of mornings. When was the last time we mourned? We mourned over this fact of our coldness in our love towards the Lord. Now we sung this hymn, We Have Not Known Thee As We Ought. And I just noticed the hymn writer quoted from Nehemiah 1.7. Let me read to you. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments. And then he moves to the last part, which thou hast commanded thy servant Moses. We have dealt corruptly against thee, have not kept the commandments. The Lord says, if any man love me, he will keep my commandments. We keep hearing that. We, keep, we can recite that. We can answer that question. But dear hearers tonight, my question to us is this. Does it cut your heart to know that you break God's commandments? You still love sin because You and I do not love the Lord as we ought to. Why is it the morning of all mornings? Until we mourn, mourn over our lack of love, the coldness of our love towards our Lord. We will continue to have very little mourning over other sins. Remember when we learned about mourning? We mourn mourn over two aspects that we have learned so far. The first is particular sins, particular sins, things that have become your besetting sins, things that you will not give up, things that you have been rationalizing and giving excuses to. Nobody may even know. Secret sins, individual specific sins. The Lord says, when we are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit over our sins, He's close to us. And then there's the other part that we've learned, and that is the mourning over our sinfulness. As long as we're on this earth, we remain not sinless, but sinful. The two parts, but I believe that, as the Apostle Paul said, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. Because the bottom line of why we have very little mourning of individual sins 
is because we don't have the mourning over our lack of love for the Lord. Until we mourn, we mourn over the root of why we still love sin, why we still are not living lives that are fully, totally given over to the obedience and love and devotion to our Saviour. Until we mourn for that, our lack of love for Him, we will never mourn for individual sins. Since we started learning about mourning, now have you mourned over individual sins? Maybe you ask, Lord, why? I've been learning this for some time. I want to, but somehow there is no mourning. I still go back to my besetting sins. Well, the reason is this. It's the most accursed thing, the most accursed sin of all sins, especially for the believer. The sin of not loving the Lord as we ought to. The same writer puts it very well. We have not loved thee as we ought, nor cared that we are loved by thee. Now, that is exactly what Paul is saying. We don't care. The love of God towards us means so little, means we hardly understand what it is. We don't care that he loves us. The same writer says, we have not loved thee as what, nor have we cared that we are loved by thee that God loves us and we don't care. That is why we continue in our sins, because we don't love Him in return. The Apostle writes, we are constrained by the love of Christ. This constraint by the love of Christ is not Christ's love for us. It's we are constrained because of our love for Christ. The Christian would avoid individual sins. The Christian would be very mournful every time he sins any sins. Because... He is constrained. He is so gripped. He is so moved. The love of Christ is so clear to him that he will say, I, don't, I did not care that you loved me. And, I still, and therefore, I went ahead and sinned. I don't care that you loved me. It is the most, it must be the most shameful thing. The very thought that we don't love Christ, knowing that he loved us, must fill our cheeks with blushing, with embarrassment. Now you begin to understand why in the Old Testament when they sin, they put dust and ashes on their head. They put on sackcloth. Do you know why they do that? Do you know why? Because when they realize they have sinned, all the exterior of how fresh they look, how nice their hair um, is made up for the women and for the men and how clean their clothes are and how many um, nice things they wear on their body. All that, all those mean nothing. That they can be so dignified in society, they will still put on sackcloth, not their dignified clothing. They will put dust and ashes on their head to say, we are lower than dust, we are more despicable than dust of this earth. That is how low we are, how despicable we are. But you see, dear friends, we don't think about these things. We don't think about it. When we, the moment we get up, we are concerned about how we look before we step into the workplace, how we look before we um, meet other people, right? How your children look, how you dress them up, 
We are very concerned about, or we are preoccupied with all these things. Now, I'm not saying that we, we, do, we, we um, don't care about our externals, but what I'm saying is, Christians, we need to really be more concerned, more bothered, more reflective of how little, how cold, even when there is any love, that little love that we have for the Lord, it is very, very cold, very, very shameful. Consider what Christ has done for us. So why is, it, why is mourning over our lack of love for the Lord, the mourning of all mornings? Because when we learn to mourn over our lack of love for the Lord, we will naturally mourn at every single sin. Even the very thought of, of any sin that just wells up in our hearts and our mind, whether it's pride, whether it's lust, will fill us with mourning, will fill us with frustration with ourselves to know that the Lord who loves me. Now the hymn writer says, we, didn't, we do not care that the Lord was nigh that the Lord was nigh, that the Lord is near. We are conscious when other people see us. It, you know, how do I look? Someone is here. We are conscious of that. But that the Lord is nigh, the Lord is close to us, the Lord is there. We don't care. We don't love Him. That's why we just go ahead and sin in our thoughts and in our hearts without any mourning, without any embarrassment, let alone any brokenness that we are doing this now that is why this is the morning of all mornings why do you think the lord gives us as the first and great commandment the commandment on which all other commandments hang what is that to love him with all our heart soul strength and mind why why does the lord say love me with your all hold back nothing not a single corner of your heart must be given to anything. Just love me. Why do you think God says that? Because God is lonely. God is very um, narcissistic. God is very desperate for, for love. He is very um, self-conscious or what's that word? Um, very, um, have no confidence. He needs people to reassure him. By loving Him? Of course not. The Lord does not need our love. Why does the Lord then command us to love Him with our all? Very simple reason. Because when we love Him with our all, means your heart, your soul, your life, your time, your energy, your attention is all totally devoted to Him, to love Him, totally devoted to Him. From the moment that you are saved, from that very moment, God said, love me with your all. Because when we do that, dear friends, we will find that we will mourn over sins. We will have very few sins to mourn over. We will have very few sins to mourn over when we are constrained by that kind of love for the Lord with our all. I'm not talking about you come to church. Do you come to church? I'm not talking about do you come for prayer meeting. I'm not talking about do you do your quiet time. Now, all those things are important, but the motivating factor behind that 
tonight when you came? What was it that drove you here? I'm not talking about your husband or your wife driving you here, or daddy and mommy driving you here. What is it that drove you here? The love for the Lord. My love for His kingdom, my love for Him. That is what drove me here. I look forward to that. Or I need to go. Because if I don't go, my children won't go. Love for the children. Love for yourself so that people don't look down on you. What is it that drove you here tonight? And for anything. See, when the Lord says, you love me with your all. You'll be constrained by that love. Your besetting sins will just fall off your back. The sins, when they come to tempt you, you will turn to him and say, Lord, how can I do this in your sight? Like Joseph, how can I sin this sin? It's impossible. It is unthinkable that I should even want to sin. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. So dear friends, you want to mourn. You want to learn to mourn over sins. The first sin to mourn over is our lack of love for the Lord. Now maybe I give you some illustration, some picture to bring the point home. Maybe between parents and children, your relationship. Is there love? Very often it's just a relationship, parent and child relationship. And very often that is how it is with children to parents. So teens and young person, I hope you pay attention. If you don't understand this, you won't, you won't mourn, you won't mourn over, mourn over your, your lack of love for Christ. You won't care. In fact, I ask you now, teen and young person, do you care that your love for Christ is so, so weak? Do you care at all? Let me give you the illustration. The child comes home from school. The moment the child comes home, drops the bag, runs to the room to get onto social media. All right? Hardly greets you, and even greets you just like that, and it's gone. Short moment. Maybe just a few words of exchanges. Goes to the room, whether it's social media, whether it's their hobbies, whatever it is. The only time it comes out of the room is time to eat or time to play. Throughout the day, as parents, for example, the mother, the whole day you've been preparing for, and it can be a husband and wife, preparing the food, the environment, and the moment they come back, hoping to have conversations, hoping to, to have a real engagement with them because there is love. But none, none of such things happen. None of such things happen. Then the mother, during the daytime, just long to have a conversation with the child, but the child is not interested. Even, even if there's any conversation, just very cursory. You say, Pastor, what is this illustration about? Well, maybe let me talk about husband and wife then. What do you think of your relationship? All right? Well, singles, you relate it to what I said earlier to your, towards your parents. Husband and wife, how do you feel about your relationship? Is there love? When it is just um, basic conversation through the day, doing things together, 
Well, just try to imagine a wife who longs, who waits for the husband to come home from work, right? So much things in her heart that she wants to tell him about, how much she misses him, or like the, like the parents, how much she missed the child. And then the husband comes home and just, well, have cursory greetings and then goes to his newspaper or his hobbies. And then the wife hopes that, well, at dinner time we will talk. Then at dinner time, he's flipping through his phone or his work, hardly talks. Even talk is all the mundane things. There's no, no expression of love, expression of devotion. Well, then the wife hopes that maybe he's busy, then hopefully tonight, by the time we go to bed, we will lie in bed and have a heart-to-heart loving conversation. Or like the parent, hoping that, you know, by the time it's evening, you will sit down and have a loving parent and child talk. But in bed, the wife talks and the husband says, I'm very tired actually, I'm very tired. What do you want to talk about? The wife will just triple, right? What do you want to talk about? Always talk. Tomorrow I go to work. Whole day the wife just longs for that time where we will have a conversation that is heart to heart. Now, children, young ones, know that is how your parents feel very often. They do so much for you. Now, this can be a husband, it can be wife as well. Right? It can be the wife that is very cold. So what is this illustration about? Well, let me ask you, what is love towards the Lord? Well, of course, it is keeping the commandments, but driven by a love for Him, and where is the proof very often? You ask any wife, you ask any parents, where is the proof of the love? There is conversations. There is loving, heartfelt, quality conversation. Now, our lack of prayer, dear hearers, our lack of prayer is the most glaring telltale sign of our lack of love for the Lord. When you ask, then how? How do, I, how do I mourn over this? Mourn over our lack of desire to speak with the Lord. That is a clear proof we do not love Him. When we have quiet time, when we need to pray, when your children come back, I'm very glad some of the mothers say we've implemented that. I hear it from your children. Now we set apart time. We will pray to the Lord together. That is very good. But what about yourself? All right, it's done. Phew, it is done. That is all. Can you imagine a wife after the husband says, all right, talk enough already? Enough already, huh? Okay, I want to sleep now. How does the wife feel? Or the child say, mommy, daddy, have you talked enough? Can I go now? How do you feel? That is exactly how we treat the Lord. That is the kind of coldness. That is the kind of despicableness in our relationship, our fellowship with the Lord. That is how we are. Lord, I've done my quiet time already, right? Lord, I prayed already, right? Can I go and watch video now? Lord, I've done this already. Can I go and sleep now? Can I go? When you begin to think about that and you relate it to real life, then you begin to understand why Paul is so angry. If any man does not love, love not the Lord, let him be anathema, 
thinking that Christ will come. He is alive, the living Saviour that will come. And yet there is no real love for Him. This must be the most accursed person possible on earth. He did not say, if any man commit adultery, if any man steal, if any man murder, but he said, if any man do not love the Lord, love not the Lord. It's the most despicable, most worthy of the worst death possible. That is how he feels about those that do not love the Lord. Now, dear friends, you know, I've said this before in one of the messages. I remember a song, I'm not sure it's good or not, so... But I remember the words of something I heard. This hymn writer says, Now, the angels will sing in heaven. The angels will sing in heaven, Holy, holy, holy. Until the courts of heaven, it rings. I say, when believers sing of redemption's story, the angels will fold their wings. They will fold and keep quiet because they do not know they do not know of that love. Only believers know of that love because Christ did not die for them. But Christ died for us. Their King of Heaven, the glorious Creator of the universe, came to die for these ones. And they just want to hear. They, they don't experience that love. They only know about the holiness of God. They experience that. But they never experience the love of their God dying for them. Only believers. Only believers. That is why, parents, you know what it is. When your child is sick, you will cry. When your spouse dies, you will cry, but others don't because they do not know the love. Children, you will cry when your parents die. When I die, I don't think you will cry. Why? Because of love. Because of love. Angels never felt, never knew the joy of being loved by God. They just know the holiness of God. I think that is a very poignant thing for us to think about while we are living. What is our fellowship with the Lord? We should mourn. We should mourn. Now, if there is one thing that I hope that we will do, in learning about this morning is, well, if you're struggling with mourning over particular sins, put that all aside. Put that all aside. I'm not saying don't mourn. Set apart time to mourn over this particular sin. Strive with the Lord. Lord, just tell the Lord, Lord, I am, I am mourning over the fact that I don't mourn over my lack of love for you. Lord, I am so embarrassed. I am so ashamed of myself. I should be accursed because even as I kneel before you and my heart is so cold when telling you that I don't love you, there is also no brokenness in my heart. Lord, how can it be? Lord, show me. Lord, work in me. Lord, I will not stop until you break me, until you show me more of your love, until I understand more of your love, that love that I sin against, until I begin to realize it is unthinkable. It is the most ridiculous thing that I should sin against your love. Lord, I will not stop until I've experienced mourning over this sin of lack of love for you. Mourn until you truly mourn. Mothers, you have 
few times a day that you can pray. Daniel, busy minister of one of the biggest, most powerful empire at that time. Please don't think he is free. He set apart three times a day to pray. You can't be busier than him. You have time to set apart. Set apart one of it. One of it. Wives at home, one of that time, just to mourn, just to mourn over your lack of love, the coldness of your love. One of your time of prayer, let it be that alone, nothing else. Don't think about praying for your child's safety, your this and that, just mourn over this. You say, well then, husband, get off. No, husbands, you've got to work, I understand. We learn the word watch. Watch means sleeplessness. It's different from just being vigilant. This watch has the part about sleeplessness. Lord, I, my love for you is so cold. I'm such a despicable person. Lord, I know I have to go to work. I'm going to wake up one hour earlier from now onwards. And I'm going to just spend that time mourning over just one sin until I learn about how little I love you. I'm just going to focus on this one sin. Or if you can't, then night. When everyone has gone to sleep, go on your own to whatever room there is and cry to the Lord, Lord, I am not what I should be in my love for you. If there's anything that, that teens and young person you need to understand now is this. You are learning this at a younger age than your daddy and your mommy. Young person, singles, you're learning this before the elderly are hearing it. You have so much, you have many more years, teens and young person, to learn to love the Lord. We as adults only are learning it now and we wish we could turn back time. And if we, if we learn to mourn over our lack of love when we were young like you, we would have been loving the Lord as we ought to until now. But we have lost all that time. So teens and young person, don't be someone who just want to be frivolous, playful. Don't think about all this. Just care about your nails, your hair, your friendships, your, your, your dressing like your friends and all that. Forget about all that. Turn to God and say, Lord, I am a young person. You died for me. You, you died for me just like you died for my daddy and my mommy. I'm a young person. Your love for me is the same as your love for them. I must also be very ashamed that I love my friends, my play, uh, my playthings, my hobbies more than you. Lord, I am so ashamed. And Lord, I'm so ashamed that I'm not ashamed that I, I don't love you as I ought to. I still don't care even um, when I'm listening to this message tonight. I wish pastor falls sick longer and his long messages won't be back again. Maybe you just want to not be bothered about these things. Well, I hope the words of the Apostle Paul, let him be anathema maranatha. Yes, if you're truly saved, the Lord will come for you, yes. But, but know this, young person. Know this, adult. We are the most accursed person, truly, in the sight of God. No matter what you achieve in your workplace, in your school life, just remember these words. I do not love the Lord Jesus Christ as I ought to. I should be accursed. 
Now, elderly, you have many, much time. There's one thing that I really hope the elderly, in fact, for everyone, we come to a state like the Apostle Paul. Now, in closing, let me read to you what the Apostle Paul said. Now, he says, he, he, when he came to the end of his life, he knew that he was going to die. For I am now ready to be offered. All right, 2 Timothy. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. All right. Let's read chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, reading. For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing, that love his appearing, that long, that long, I long to see the Lord with my own eyes. The Lord that I love, the Lord that I have always just, just been able to pray to, not be able to, to grasp and with my hands and embrace Him and fall at His feet and kiss His feet. I love to see His appearing. God says, well, well, the Apostle Paul said, I am now ready to be offered. Now, elderly, let me ask you this. Can you say like the Apostle Paul, I'm now ready to be offered. I'm ready to die. But the Apostle Paul can say that, and this is the same for all of us, all right? not just the elders. The Apostle Paul can say that because he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. He has kept the Lord's commandments and he knows that he has done it with, the con with a conscience that is clear. You know, the Apostle Paul was a great um, persecutor. He killed Christians mercilessly. He destroyed churches vehemently. And when he got saved, very often people say he is one of the apostles that kept writing about help the widows, aid the widows, and he had a great heart for the widows. Most, most, most people believe it's because he knew that he killed their husbands and that is why they are widows. He was so remorseful. He never wasted a single moment of his life when he got saved. He knew that he had so much to make up for. He knew that he had so much to make up for, for his wickedness towards the Lord. That is why when the Lord met him, the Lord said, why do you kick against the pricks? You are kicking against me. Those words must have rung in his heart forever. I was kicking against the God that came to save me. That was what I was doing. That is why among all the, apostle, all the apostles, I believe, he was the most fervent, the one that writes the most about the love of Christ and his desire to love Christ, as we study in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, that I may know him. That was his life's aim. This word know is ginosko. You say, so what? Well, we have all the head knowledge. Ginosko means it is not just head knowledge, it is intimate knowledge. It is used about 
intimate relationships between husband and wife, that closeness, that I may know him, he chose that word to say, that I may love him, that I may have such an intimate love with him, for him. That is the Apostle Paul. Why? Because he did not want to waste a single moment after he was saved. And they say, in, the, in my clear conscience, I have fought a good fight. I am ready to go. Now, are we able to say that? Many of us cry when our parents die. We moan and we weep. And very often in our hearts, one of the things I'm sure is because we feel that we have not loved them as we ought to. We wish we did this and this and that and that for them. Until today, I still have very vivid dreams of my father. Very vivid. Sometimes to the point I said, I thought he was bedridden. I thought we couldn't do this. But I just kept dreaming that I brought him there. I brought him here and there. I had meals with him. I, I did so many things with him. And I was so happy that he could walk. Because at the end of his life, every time I want to bring him up, I say, no, I don't want to go out. He, he has to be on oxygen. It was difficult for him to walk. It was difficult for him to go to the toilet. He didn't want to go out. But there were so many things I wanted to show him, to, to do for him, to do with him. But it's all gone and I have those dreams till today. What I'm trying to say is this. We mourn. We mourn. And we wish we could turn back time. But it's too late. Young person, teens, don't wait till your parents die and then you weep and you cry and you fall on the ground and you tear your hair. It's too late. The time to love Christ, I've always reminded us, the time to love Christ, the time to show Him our love for Him is now when we are living. It is now. Because the moment we die, we are perfect. We will love Him perfectly. There's nothing to show. There's no fight to fight. There is no reward for that. There is no joy to know, like the Apostle Paul at the end of his life, I have fought a good fight. Why must he say that? Because he knows that he has done whatever he can to love, to show the Lord that I love you. I'm sorry for all the things that I've done. I love you. And he had no regrets. Mourn now. Mourn over our lack of love for him. Of all the sins that we need to mourn over, start with this. We know very little about this love, my friends. We know very little of this Apostle Paul's life, where his deep desire that I may know him. What do you want to know? I want to know more knowledge. I want to know more, more different degrees. I want to know more of this country and that country. I'm going to experience my holiday there. What do you want to know more of? Do you want to know more of that housewife, of parents, of husbands, and young person and singles, of the time when you wake up from now onwards, earlier an hour, alone with the Lord. Alone with the Lord before you get bogged down by the distraction of the world, alone with Him. You know, many couples, they like to wake up early to go for walks because it's quiet, or late in the evening because it's quiet, it's one-to-one. -one. They, they enjoy that love. Friends, singles, the same. That, that personal time with your close friend, you long for that. Do you, we know very little of that kind of loving fellowship with our Lord. Very little. Just because you come to church three times a week, just because you, you are serving, and that is what I want to say too, service is not love. Service must be driven by love. But just because you serve a lot, 
especially those of you who are very busy in ministries, especially those of you who are very busy in bringing up godly seed. Just because you do a lot does not mean you love Christ. You are just driven by duty, that's all. Love. We know very little of that kind of love, loving fellowship that Paul had with his Saviour. He talked about his sleepless nights. He talked about the dangers that he go through. He went through for the Lord. He talked about the sufferings. We know very little of that. That is why we don't mourn. We don't mourn. Just because we are very frequent in church, I think sometimes that is the most dangerous pitfall we fall into. We think that we love God. That is why we are here. Oh, you tell your wife, you tell your children, you tell your parents, I spent a lot of time with you, right? I did a lot of things with you, right? And your parents or your husband or your wife will just look at you. Yes, yes, but I know in your heart there was very little love. When will we know, know, scratch the surface of this kind of loving relationship, fellowship with the Lord? When? As long as we know we don't have it. As long as we know we come back, we just can't wait to go to sleep. As long as we know that we, we just can't wait to go to our hobbies the moment we finish praying, so-called. Praying is a, a prayer that is all. It's not a communion. The moment that is done, phew, that is done. Well, if that is our case, then we say, Lord, I want to know more of that, that love with you, for you. Singles, you have, you have that. There is very little distraction. Elderly is the same. Family members, those that are married, then it means a little less sleep. A little less sleep. That is what it means. But when you love the Lord, when you experience that, it is no loss. May the Lord really help us to mourn over this very, very shallow, meaningless love that we declare that we love Him with. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we search our hearts, we have to ask ourselves, do we truly love you? And whatever love that we think we have for you, Lord, we have to acknowledge. It is so feeble, so weak. The things of this world have filled our thoughts. And Father, we pray. And we struggle with you. We strive with you in prayer. Till, Lord, we know more of this morning over our lack of love for you. And we know that when we do, we will have this comfort as you have promised. And that is the comfort that Apostle Paul experienced. Oh, the comfort to know that he has loved you and is ready to meet you. Oh, Father, we pray and we plead that we will know that comfort. Meet with us in the place of prayer the kingdom's work. Lord, we desire to see it progress. May glory be exalted before men. So meet with us in the place of prayer. We ask and pray all this, that we may pray fervently, earnestly for the kingdom's work. In Jesus' name, amen.